It's January 23rd. I'm Brian Dean Wright, former CIA operations officer, and this is The Wright Report. Hey, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Right Report, your daily news podcast. Get out your maps because we are going around the globe this morning talking about events that are shaping America and the world. First up, we begin in the United States with two updates on the immigration crisis. Second, we stop in El Salvador where the number of murderers there is way down and that will impact you. Third, we go to the forests of Finland this morning, where migrants from Iran are sneaking into that country with some help from the Russians. Fourth, we land in Western Canada this morning with an update on an oil pipeline that stands to reshape global supplies, and that will impact you. Fifth, we touch down in Congo later, where radical Islamic terrorists sadly continue to maim and kill folks over there, and that is causing concerns including a $250 million investment by you, American taxpayers, in a regional railroad. Finally, we end in South Africa this morning, where virtually every Western automaker is trying to woo a new partner that is not too far from Kruger National Park, which is a beautiful spot for safaris. I'll tell you why we're going there. But before we get to South Africa, let's get to our first stop in the United States. Two updates for you this morning about the illegal immigration crisis on our southern border. First, we've got fresh numbers on the use of something called humanitarian parole. As I shared with you yesterday, the Biden administration has been using this old law to allow in tens of thousands of people each month. And that is certainly contrary to the spirit of that law that was drafted back in the 1950s. It was supposed to be used in emergency cases for humanitarian purposes only. Well, here is the latest number that you need to know about regarding this use of humanitarian parole. 1,040,000. CBS News reports that over 1 million migrants is the total number that have been expedited into this country under this humanitarian parole under Joe Biden. And that number is absolutely unprecedented. Of the 1 million, most are from the countries of Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua, with smaller numbers from Afghanistan and Ukraine. And that helps explain why negotiations and debate on Capitol Hill continue to be bogged down this morning. The White House and Democrats remain adamant that they want to continue to use this emergency humanitarian law, well, in whatever way they want. Republicans, however, disagree. And speaking of disagreement and debate, that leads us to our second update of the morning. The U.S. Supreme Court narrowly agreed yesterday to block Texas Governor's Greg Abbott from protecting the southern border. So let's talk about what happened. Some quick background, folks. Back in the fall, the state of Texas installed some razor wire on some private property after they got landowner consent. But then Mr. Biden's customs and border protection officers were directed by the White House to cut and destroy that wire because the White House argued it made it harder to expedite the entry of these illegals who, by law, had to be processed. Governor Abbott then sued Mr. Biden last October for destroying this wire and trying to stop the state's ability from controlling and policing their ground. In response to that lawsuit, the Biden Department of Justice said that the federal government simply cannot be sued in this case constitutionally. It has uh, something to do with a legal issue called a sovereign immunity. Well, initially, a judge, when they heard the case, they actually agreed with the Biden DOJ Although the the judge said of Mr. Biden's handling of the border, it is, quote, an utter failure, end quote. 
Well, after a few more appeals, the case ended up with the Supreme Court, who agreed that for now, the federal government can do whatever they like on the southern border with this razor wire on this otherwise private Texas property. The, the Supreme Court said that the appeals process between Biden and Texas, it has to continue, and it will. Arguments are slated for February 7th. At some point, this case will almost certainly come back again to the Supreme Court, but until it does, well, the, the folks at the White House will continue to rip out the border fencing as they desire, and as CBP officers have said, they will continue to do, to do so because they have been ordered by the White House. So those are the quick facts and data about our collapsed southern border this morning. Let's pivot now to my analysis and opinion. And let's talk about some other numbers beyond this 1 million migrants that are now in this country because of the use of humanitarian parole. First, let's talk about this number, 2.4 million. That is the number of illegal migrants that have come into this country claiming asylum, even though at least 75% of them do not qualify. Second, we know that there are at least 1 million or so of, of what we call gotaways. Those are the illegals who snuck through without being apprehended or encountered. So if you put all this together, there are at least 4.4 million people in this country this morning that should not be here but are, either due to unlawful entry, fake asylum applications, or arguably the abuse of immigration laws like this humanitarian parole by the Biden White House. And that, I think, is why polls continue to show that a majority of Americans view this country as being invaded. So knowing all of that, the Supreme Court just ruled that Biden has the authority to continue business as usual, or at least to allow the appeals to, to continue this normal process before the Supreme Court eventually hears this case down the road. And who knows how they will uh, rule at that point. But here is what I know this morning. I think we have a constitution problem. So let me explain. Let's imagine that we are amongst the founders of this country in Philadelphia putting together this nation and our constitution. Let's imagine now knowing that we have this wonderful ability to time travel and we see what's happening on our southern border. Now let us ask, do you think that the founders of this country could have ever anticipated that we would have a president who would open the border to 4.4 million people and they would either be wards of the state, cannot take care of themselves, or they're unvetted nationals from hostile countries? I don't think so. Nor do I think that the founders could have ever anticipated that a Congress would do nothing about this because they were so corrupted by partisan politics. In this case, the U.S. Senate is controlled by the president's party. I also think it's pretty fair to say that the founders could have never imagined or anticipated that the Supreme Court would have shut down the one state that's trying to save this union from what the people regard to be an invasion. But that's where we're at. And that's the problem that the founders simply could not have imagined this morning as we think about putting the Constitution together. So that's why I think we have a Constitution problem, and it requires a constitutional change. It requires an amendment to protect us from this from ever happening again, where a president refuses to execute their duties and defend the border. The Constitution, I believe, should allow for states to assume the role of, of the last defenders of this country when a president can't or won't defend it. As listeners are probably aware, amending the U.S. Constitution is a very difficult process, and thank God for that. But if we were to do it, and, you know, debate the solutions to how do we solve this problem and ultimately states' rights, 
The most likely path forward is something called a convention of states. It's allowed under Article 5 of the Constitution. The idea has been promoted for at least the last 15 years or so to try to solve lots of different problems. The uh, folks encouraging it include governors, U.S. senators. There's even a a group working on this this morning. They've got at least 19 states of the 34 that are required to call for a convention. Although I should be very clear, Democrats and leftists are staunchly opposed to this idea. And to be fair, some Republicans are too. Like in Kansas, there is a fight right now in that state about this issue. But in my view, and I would imagine a majority of Americans, we believe that we are being invaded. And the man in the White House refuses to do much of anything about that. As ever, he has the power to do so. He just doesn't have the political motivation, as we have discussed. So that's why I think that it is time for a convention of states. So that is, of course, very controversial for some folks out there. And so that's why I want to know what you think, because reasonable people can disagree on this one. Paid subscribers, please do give me some feedback this morning. Do so on Substack. For our second stop this morning, we are off to El Salvador, the Central American country that has long been crippled by gang and cartel violence, especially murders. We first began talking about this otherwise beautiful country back on April 20th and then again on May 30th, talking about the president there, last name is Bukele. Almost two years ago now, he started a crackdown, big, big crackdown on gangs and cartels, and boy, oh boy, did he do so hard. He suspended constitutional rights and started mass arrests using the full force of his police and military. As one gang member told the outlet that is called Inside Crime, quote, There were too many soldiers everywhere, all at once, end quote. And that is why cartel and gang members like him simply couldn't fight back. Well, the results over the past two years of Mr. Bukele's efforts have been very impressive. Former no-go zones throughout the country are now bustling with parks and businesses, playgrounds. They've turned gang houses into apartments for poor little old ladies. And also this, the once common murders in El Salvador have dropped fast. Last year, down 70%. That is on top of the first year's drop of 94%. And so taken together, that makes El Salvador the least murderous nation in all of North America, behind only the good folks in Canada. Now, to be clear, this has also made El Salvador one of the most highly incarcerated countries around. All those gangbangers are now in a supermax prison. But the Salvadorian people, they are very happy. Mr. Bukele's approval rating is around 90%. So all of this, ladies and gentlemen, impacts you, believe it or not, and here's why. As of July of last year, encounters of illegal migrants from El Salvador have dropped 44% at our southern border. And if you care about the migrant crisis, that is excellent news. To be fair, Bukele's critics say that the loss of constitutional rights, like a lawyer or a special speedy trial, well, those losses are simply too great. They would rather have, well... The murders, I guess. Others argue that Bukele has probably cut a corrupt deal with the gangs and the cartels in his country to allow some of them to operate freely, but just bring down some of the murder rates. Well, this could be true, by the way. Biden's Department of Justice and Treasury believes that this is true for what it is worth. But nevertheless, crime is down, most especially the murders. And people are happy with fewer than leaving for the United States. 
So those are the quick details this morning on the latest facts and data on El Salvador's experiment with law and order. Let me pivot now to my analysis and opinion. About a month ago, the Biden White House issued a proclamation saying that the root cause of illegal migration is democratic decline. But El Salvador is proving that completely wrong. The root cause of illegal migration is chaos, a a lack of law and order, which then results in crime and a lack of jobs. So for whatever his faults might be, Mr. Bukele is now reestablishing law and order in his country, even if it comes at the cost of democracy. And Salvadorians have accepted that trade. In fact, more Salvadorians are now staying home in their country because of it. They're not coming to our border. So my point, folks, is this. If we want to reduce illegal migration, we might have to work with people like Mr. Bukele, who are mostly good men trying to do mostly the right thing, even if their commitment to something like democracy doesn't quite fit the way that we would prefer. With that, let's take our first break of the morning. For subscribers listening at rightreports.substack.com, thank you. It is you and your financial support that are keeping this podcast alive. Meanwhile, for my other loyal listeners, I thank you as well. I encourage you to do your part this morning and support the companies that support me. You will hear about them shortly. We'll be right back. Well, folks, by now you know that some listeners like to call me the angel of death because apparently I deliver such bad news on this podcast. Well, if that's you and this podcast keeps you up at night, well, calm yourselves right back down and do so with a comfy bed from Ghostbed. <laughs> yep, it's a company that I think makes the finest mattresses in all of America. And y'all know that is true because I own one. I have the Lux model. That one is designed to help people like me who sleep a little bit hot. But they've got other great models too. There's the classic. Uh, there is the massage bed. That sounds fun. Plus, there's one called 3D Matrix. That sounds scary, but I still want one. Doesn't matter. Whatever model you choose from Ghostbed, just do it. These mattresses are built with high-quality materials, fine craftsmanship, and when you get into that ghost bed, you feel both of those things. And great news, you can get one of these mattresses delivered right to your doorstep. And if that makes you a little bit nervous, you know, to buy a bed without lying in it first, well, I get it. But ghost bed has already solved that problem. They have a 101-day trial period plus free shipping and returns. So folks, if Brian, the angel of death, scares you during the day, let Ghostbed protect you at night with a great night's sleep. And here's the best part. Get 50% off when you do. Go to ghostbed.com slash right. That's W-R-I-G-H-T. And 50% off your Ghostbed purchase will be given to you, my friends. But you got to use that website, ghostbed.com slash right. Oh boy, but when you do, you are going to get that good night's sleep that you deserve. I guarantee it. My friends, have you gotten your Factor Meals yet? If not, holy smokes, you should. Factormeals.com is the best meal delivery company in the United States. I promise you this. I have tried the others. These guys are it. They give you more than 35 different meal options to choose from every single week. That includes Calorie Smart, which is a pretty good idea after the holidays. Also, they've got Protein Plus, which is a great idea for after the gym. And even vegetarian options, which is a great idea for people who are crazy. Just kidding. We love our vegetarians, too. Well, anyway, it's all delivered, ladies and gentlemen. Fresh, right to your doorstep. Never frozen. 
All you got to do is open the box and after a couple of minutes of heating, you have got a great meal to enjoy. And that's true for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Plus, they've got some wonderful grab-and-go snacks and some tasty cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. As ever, I've told you this before, I love their pork chops. They've also got shredded chicken tacos that are so good. Also, they've got a new lasagna that is out, and it is top-notch. These meals, folks, really are delicious, and they are a perfect option for either busy people like me or retired folks who just want good, healthy meals, but they don't want the fuss of cooking. So support the folks who support this podcast, my friends, and get yourselves Factor Meals at 50% off right now. So go to factormeals.com slash right five zero. That's W-R-I-G-H-T five zero. And you get 50% off. Yeah. Again, that's promo code right five zero at factormeals.com slash right five zero and get that 50% off. But more importantly, my friends, you're getting a meal service that is good for your body and great for your taste buds. I guarantee it. Welcome back to the right report. Let's continue with our news this morning with a stop in Finland. And we keep with the theme of global migration. Although this news involves something a little bit different. Iranian men are sneaking through the forests of Finland with some help from the Russians. So here's what we know. Finland's border guard is reporting the arrest of 11 men from Iran who were trying to pass through the dense forests that straddle the Finnish-Russian border. The men have claimed that the Russian government did help them to get over the border, but they insist that they were simply asylum seekers. And based on that claim... Finnish law apparently allows the men to come in and be processed. As listeners might recall, this has been going on for a while now. I briefed you on this uh, this past fall about how the Kremlin started a campaign to assist illegal migrants from mostly the Middle East and Africa to infiltrate Finland. Right? That included giving these folks bicycles. They would then ride those bikes to the border, claim asylum and enter without issue. For what it's worth, Finland is not happy about what the Russians are doing. They have closed their road borders with Russia starting from actually this fall through February. Although that still leaves the 800-mile-long border mostly wide open that they share with Russia, including these forests. And while it is true that they have started to build some, uh, some fencing to cover parts of that very long border, that project is in its early stages, and that means that Russia will have a border that they can play with for many more months to come. So those are the quick facts and data out of Finland this morning. Let me pivot now to my brief analysis and opinion. First, y'all might remember that Finland joined NATO last April, and when they did, Moscow warned of, well, vague consequences. And that includes, I think, what we are seeing here this morning at a minimum These are what we would call probes. They are probing the weakness or the strength of Finland's borders. Second, the fact that Russia is using Iranian nationals is very interesting to me. It leaves me to wonder if Tehran and Moscow are working together to send in saboteurs or assassins for use in some future broader war or just in case for some pinprick operations. Third, I think that this underlines the concern that so many of us have about America's southern border. We know that foreign nationals from countries like Iran, China, and Russia are crossing our border illegally just like they are in Finland. As ever, not all of them are bad people, I am sure, but not all of them are good either. 
of that, I am also sure of as well. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, this news from Finland is, to me, yet one more data point that suggests that we are entering into a new era of global instability. It's a remaking of world order. And my goodness, it is likely to be a very bumpy ride. With that, we head back across the Atlantic Ocean to our friends up north in Canada. So let's grab our maps for this one and talk about a little bit of history. In the province of Alberta, you will see the city of Edmonton. To the north and to the east of that city are the massive oil sands of Canada. Those make up one of the largest oil reserves in the world. Although it's a a sticky, thick oil that's mixed in with sand and clay and some water. It tends to be good for things like asphalt or some transportation fuels. And unlike other forms of oil, you have to mine for it, not just drill, because it's mixed in with that sand and clay. Since the 1950s, this area of Canada has been mining those oil sands and sending most of it to the U.S. and our refineries. They do so through pipelines like one that is called Keystone that goes through America's Midwest. But they've also sent some of of their oil via a 715-mile-long pipeline that goes up and through the Canadian Rockies. It ends near the British Columbian city of Vancouver with a pipeline spur that then heads south across the U.S. border into refineries just north of Seattle. For decades, there's been a desire by these oil sand companies in Alberta to expand their production, but they couldn't and can't without expanding their pipeline access. Well, they tried to with this Keystone XL pipeline. You may recall that was uh, thwarted by the U.S. Presidents Obama and Biden because of pressures from their environmental supporters. But there was that other pipeline. It's called the Trans Mountain Pipeline that goes through the Rockies to the Pacific Ocean. And that led to this idea. Perhaps an oil company might build a twin line right next to the original one and thus expand production. And years ago, the main oil company involved in these oil sands started construction on the twin Well, at first, there was some opposition, largely from environmentalist and indigenous tribes, but construction did start. The government of Canada later took over the project because of cost overruns. And after a number of years, things were going pretty good. And it was slated to open, in fact, in just the next couple of months. But then this fall, they hit a snag. The drillers found that the rocks in the Rocky Mountains were just a little too rocky, too hard to drill through. So they wanted to tweak their plans to change the size and and the material of the pipeline to get it to squeeze through the Rockies. The fear, though, was that Canadian uh, regulators and environmentalists would use this desired tweak of the plans as a reason to shut down the project or cause very notable delays. And that would be bad because this project has already been delayed. Lots of budget overruns. We're talking about $30 billion as of right now. And that worry about a delay... And that takes us to the news and why you should care. Canadian regulators about two weeks ago finally agreed that the project could continue with this very modest pipeline tweak. The Canadian government would not need any new routing or any new studies. They could proceed as planned. That means that this pipeline should be complete over the next two or three months. And when that happens, production will dramatically ramp up to about uh, 900,000 barrels per day which is an increase from the current 300,000 per day. Okay, so how does all that impact you? Well, we've got some good news and some bad news. The oil in this new pipeline that's going to go to the Pacific Ocean, 
it could have come to the U.S. and then been refined throughout America using that Keystone XL pipeline, but no longer. Most of it will now go to Canada's West Coast. From there, it will almost certainly uh, be sold onward to probably China and India, which likes this particular type of crude oil. Now, it is true that there might be a little bit of this stuff sold to our West Coast refineries in places like California and Washington State, but not really, not much. So that means that if our refineries in the Midwest and Texas, if they want this stuff, they are going to have some competition with these Chinese and Indian buyers. And that means that they're going to have to pay a new premium, probably a dollar or two per barrel. And eventually that will trickle down to your pocketbook. But even with that, let's look at the good side of this. It means more global supply. And that is good, certainly given all the problems that we have in the Middle East this morning. So here is the upshot, ladies and gentlemen. Let's keep our eyes on this Canadian pipeline. It should start to fill up by March or so, with operations starting shortly thereafter. I'll keep you posted. With that, let's take our second break of the morning. When we come back, we will head off to Africa, to the country of the Congo, and then South Africa. We'll be right back. If you start your mornings with a cup of coffee and the right report, well, that coffee has got to come from Wacker Coffee Company. I first told you about this great small batch roaster back in August. And for listeners who are lucky enough to get one of their six roasts, you know that your taste buds have never been the same. And that's because the roaster is a former U.S. Marine who is very serious about his coffee. In fact, his bestseller called Red Tape is a mix of Guatemalan, Costa Rican, and a honey-processed Nicaraguan bean. As he wonderfully describes it, Red Tape has notes of dark chocolate, almond, and cocoa rice krispies. And that is not spin. I'm telling you, Wacker Coffee Company gives you a chance to really taste coffee, not just drink it. And trust me on that. My family and I are huge fans. So start your mornings by going to wackercoffeeco.com. That's W-A-C-K-E-R, wackercoffeeco.com. And for paid subscribers on Substack, you get some extra value this morning. Use the promo code that you will see in those daily emails that I send you, and you will get 10% off your order. But either way, go to wackercoffeeco.com. And my friends, you will taste your morning coffee for the very first time. I guarantee it. Welcome back to The Right Report for our global news roundup. We now head to one of my favorite African countries this morning. It's the one where I got malaria. It's the Democratic Republic of the Congo. Now, we have been to the Congo before talking about their mining operations for key minerals that we use. Those include copper, tin, and cobalt. In fact, about 70% of the world's supply of cobalt comes from the Congo, which in turn powers the batteries that we use for all sorts of products, but most especially the big ones like electric vehicles. We discussed this during the Dirty Green series back in August. But today we are going to the Congo to talk about something else. We are sadly here to talk about Islamic radicalism. So if you get out your maps, I want you to look for the border between the Congo and Uganda. You will see two lakes. One is called Lake Albert and the other is Lake Edward. And in between them, whoo, it is some incredible land, my friends. Truly one of the most breathtaking places on the planet. There are thick jungles full of exotic animals like mountain gorillas in the Virunga National Park. You've got volcanoes and the Rwenzori Mountains, which are, gosh, they're so pretty, thick with this biodiversity and a gorgeous mountain leopard and a beautiful mountain elephant. They're just pretty darn neat. Well, anyway, 
Although that is a gorgeous part of the world, unfortunately, in this same area, there are a lot of rebels, and that is not so nice. Those include Islamic rebels associated with the Islamic State. And these terrorists attack Christian churches and schools in the region. They capture Christian villagers and then either, I'm sorry to say, they behead or burn them alive, sometimes both. Of equal outrage, they kidnap children as young as 10 years of age. They then take the boys, train them to fight. The girls are usually forced to marry or they are sold off into the global sex trade. And that is all largely being financed, by the way, by Islamic radicals in either South Africa or in the Middle East. So that's the terrible human toll of these uh, Islamic radicals. But there's also an economic impact. The mining operations in this area are, as you would imagine, degraded, mostly the tin and the diamonds. But the fear is that the fighting in this area will spread to the south. And that starts to affect the mining for things like copper and cobalt. So here's how this all impacts you. The U.S. government has promised $250 million of your taxpayer dollars to build and rehabilitate a rail line that goes from the country of Angola, travels eastward, and has two spurs. One goes to Zambia to collect their copper. The other spur goes a little bit further north into the Congo, mostly to haul their copper and their cobalt eventually back to the Atlantic Ocean. So the idea by the Biden White House is that it is going to then be more likely sold, that is the copper and the cobalt, to either European or American buyers. So that is why we want to keep our eyes on the radical Islam problem this morning in eastern Congo. Not only is it awful from the humanitarian perspective, we've also got 250 million reasons to keep watch, my fellow taxpayers. And I will, as ever, and I'll keep you posted. Finally, this morning, we head south of the Congo to South Africa. And as we do, we will find that we are in good company this morning. Virtually every Western automaker is already there with us as we swing by this lovely country. And let's talk about why. So looking at your maps, east of the city of Johannesburg, you will start to head towards the very famous and very beautiful Kruger National Park. Some amazing safaris there. But before we get to that famous spot, we are going to stop just a bit short in a city called Imbobela. And you would be forgiven if you have never heard of this place before. It's not exactly famous, or it hasn't been historically. For the past couple of years, it's become much more of a greater global interest, and that is because they have a very important company located in their little community. It's called the Manganese Metal Company. As the name suggests, it refines manganese, mostly coming from the Kalahari Desert. And so manganese, by the way, has a few very important uses, like making iron, steel, aluminum. But that is not why car companies are taking a lot of flights to woo this manganese metal company, known locally as MMZ. It's all about the batteries. Manganese is a critical component of the batteries used in electric vehicles. And this one company in South Africa is one of the few that is outside of China. In fact, over 90% of manganese refiners are inside of that communist nation. As reported by the Wall Street Journal, that has pushed these car companies from all around the world and battery companies to sign contracts with this MMC to get a hold of their high-quality manganese. Some are even offering to pay to expand MMC's operations in this lovely city of Mbombela. As the CEO of MMC said, they have been absolutely inundated by car companies all around the world looking for a non-China source of manganese, most of which, as of this moment, is going to Japan, 
for Tesla batteries, by the way. As he said, quote, I've signed more non-disclosure agreements in the past 12 months than I have in the last 20 years, end quote. He added that his manganese is about two to three times as expensive as Chinese manganese, mostly because China has some very cheap or slave labor. But for the Western automakers looking for a non-China option, he's largely the only shop in town, or better said, in the globe. So that is why we will keep watching South Africa, and that is true if we own an EV or we don't, or we don't even want one. Because having a non-China source of anything, frankly, in our global supply chain is very important as we think about a possible war with Beijing. Although I should tell you, unfortunately, relations with South Africa are not exactly great right now. Their government remains run by a radical Marxist party known as the ANC, and they're quite close, as you would imagine, to both China and Russia. But that might change. South Africa has elections coming up in the next six months or so. And the ANC is at a real risk of losing for the very first time nationally. So let's keep our eyes on South Africa. And I will bring us back here as I learn more. Maybe when we come back, we'll talk about Kruger Park. Although, I'm going to give you a tip this morning. If you're looking for a good safari, I recommend Zambia. Specifically a place called North Longwa National Park. It's pretty darn special. Just uh, one final tip. Make sure that uh, you, you have a good rifle because they take you on walking safaris. You, you'll want a rifle for that. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we conclude this morning's episode of The Right Report. In the interest of time, no listener question today. But as always, I will see you tomorrow, God willing. Until then, I leave you with the creed of every good spy and every wise American. They're the words from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day.